Well, it's a privilege to be opening up the word for us this morning. I am in the dark, which I like. Well, my name is Ian, and I'm the student pastor here at Eagle. And I wanna start with a shout out. Um, I'm really excited that some of my castmates from Beef and Boards Christmas woo, woo, are here. It means a lot to me that they would come. As you can imagine, um, sleep is really valuable on a two-show day. So their sacrifice of sleep means a lot to me. And for the rest of you, if you're a regular attender here at Eagle, you know that I'm not normally the one up here preaching. Pastor Eric bailed on the beginning of Advent. And can we pause and think about where Pastor Eric is right now? He's in Florida with the Indianapolis Colts. Now let's be real, between the warmer weather and the Colts, I'm way more jealous of the warm weather. I'm not, I'm not much of a sports fan. I know, it hurts. I'm not much of a sports fan, but since moving here, the Colts have done nothing exciting. It's like three and eight, come on. But speaking of moving here, I'm now what you call a reluctant Hoosier. I love it here, but I didn't want to love it. I remember driving down I-65 to my first interview here at Eagle, and I was waiting for civilization to appear. I'm still waiting. But being from the Chicago suburbs, uh, the cornfields here are novelty, so you know, it's all good. And I remember telling my friends, you know, I'm moving to Indiana, And what struck me is all the things they would say to get me excited about joining you all. And a prime example, Hoosiers are the salt of the earth people, to which I say, huh? Like they eat a lot of salt, they salt the roads well, still not quite sure what that means. But in all seriousness, I'm immensely grateful um, to be here. I'm immensely grateful for all that God is doing at Eagle, and I'm immensely grateful to get to be a part of it. The Lord has had me on somewhat of a refinement journey these past two years, Um, and I would say that he's entered into spaces in my life that I was hoping were off limits, that were a little bit off my radar, but he's been so faithful in the things that he's both called me to and what he's called out of me. And one of those spaces that he's entered into is anxiety, apprehension, uneasiness, and worry. I imagine I'm not alone in these experiences, and I wanna start by distinguishing between diagnosable anxiety and situational anxiety. In no way are we gonna minimize diagnosable anxiety, but that's simply not what we're focusing on today. Today is that situational anxiety that we all relate to. We have anxiety over relationships, and over maybe our parents or our children. We have anxiety over finances and health, and change. I heard a helpful distinction between fear and anxiety, since there is some overlap there. Fear is concern over something that is happening. Anxiety is concern over something that might happen. It's all those worst what ifs. Max Lucado, in his new book, Anxious for Nothing, describes anxiety like this. Anxiety is not so much a storm as a certainty that one is coming. Sunny days are just an interlude. So here we are, another season of Advent, the season of peace, hope, joy, and love. And ironically, it hit me as I was preparing for today that one of the most anxious periods of my life happened right before moving here, and it was during an Advent season. Advent 2014, 
worst advent ever. But I'm still pretty anxious three years later. You'd be right to question, then why are you up there talking about it? And I've been a little discouraged by that reality as I've been preparing. But then when I would slow down long enough to listen to that still quiet voice of the Lord, I would hear the Spirit say to me, I want to use you because you've missed out at the hands of anxiety, but you desire more. I wanna invite us all into this journey of overcoming peace with the anxiety of Jesus together. You know, I want a different advent this year. Anxiety doesn't discriminate on the calendar, so while Advent's a meaningful time to talk about it, our anxiety will stretch past Advent, so I wanna overcome it. If we're gonna be effective ministers of the gospel of peace to a hurt and lost world, then we need to overcome our own anxiety. So my big, like, bold dream and heart's desire for Eagle Church is that no one would miss out at the hands of anxiety and that we would experience peace more together every day. Let's pray. Lord God, you are so good to us. You are the God who sees. You see us as we are. You are the God who loves us. And Lord, thank you that you initiate relationship with us. Lord, I ask that no one would leave this space this morning without an understanding and experience of John 10, 10 life, life to the full. And Lord, thank you for this Advent season, which gives us permission to consider what has changed and what does it mean for us. So we pray this all in the precious name of Jesus, amen. Today we're gonna start with just a little bit of time travel. If my parents were here, they would be shocked because one of our inside jokes as a family is how I feel about time travel in movies. My parents you know, thought it was a great idea to show me and my sisters back to the future for the first time when we're kids. They thought it'd be a fun family memory, instead it was a fun family fight, with tears shed by me over all the implausibilities of time travel, hashtag too literal for my own good. Yikes, but we are, gonna be going back in time for just a second. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah 9, verse six. This is Isaiah 9, chapter six. And first, there's a danger in turning to Isaiah 9. And the danger is the familiarity. Familiarity will often make us think that we've already received all that God has for us from a certain passage. But God's word is living and active. It does not return void. And we all know those times when we've maybe read a verse hundreds of times, and somehow it strikes us differently. That's the spirit, and that's what we're after this morning. So let's set the scene. Isaiah was a prophet prophesying in the 700s, so that's, or 700s BC, 700 years before the Christmas story. And in the Old Testament, when we think prophets, we wanna think mouthpieces of God, right? So Isaiah, he had this long, long ministry, kinda like Scott Granati, and he had, See, oh, it's like the lowest blow. It's so easy. Thanks, God. We love you. <laughs> Isaiah had this long, long ministry that spanned several kings. The Jewish people had long ago rejected that kind of protective canopy that God wanted to be for them. I imagine Isaiah was prophesying to some pretty anxious people. They were living in unsettling times, much like we are today. Their issues were both external and internal. So Isaiah 9 begins with a future prophecy of peace. 
You know, if I were them, I'd be so excited and I wanna know how. Like, is it gonna be a big army? Is it gonna be a warrior king? But Isaiah explains it's gonna be through the birth of a child. You know, not exactly what they were expecting. And Isaiah 9, 6 is actually the third time that this child is being described. This prophecy gives the greatest clarity yet. So out of disaster, God's gonna bring final victory and fulfill the promise of peace through a baby. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Jesus delivers peace. The child, Emmanuel, God with us. This child is the promised Messiah who will reign with peace, and he's the prince because he's the son of God. Now, they might have been thrown a little bit by this prophecy, but they still thought, you know, certainly this is gonna look a certain way. But how many times have we heard a word from the Lord and maybe read into it what we wanted to hear? I know I have. I'm still waiting for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me to make me a better basketball player. But it hasn't happened. And that's what the Jewish people did. They assumed peace meant physical, national, military peace, while misunderstanding that the root of their anxiety was an inward issue. And more on that later. You know, they thought peace would mean one thing, but the peace that the prince delivers is first of a different nature. So they waited a long time, 700 years. Advent is what marks that time of waiting, and we symbolically walk through it for four weeks, but waiting for Jesus was their reality. Generations would come and go before Jesus would arrive. But after his arrival, but before his death and resurrection, Jesus spoke these words in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You know, one of the purposes of Advent is to feel the waiting, but then to have it prompt like a response of worship out of gratitude that we are no longer waiting for that first type of peace that Jesus delivered. So now let's, let's jump forward. We're gonna go back to 2017, our present day, and we're bypassing the actual Christmas story to hone in on the peace that Jesus delivers. For my sake, it's good that this is the last time that we are time traveling. And we're gonna talk about how we live between Christ's first, or between his two comings, his first and his second. Theologians will describe this period as the already, but not yet. And it's because some of the promises of peace have been fulfilled, but not all of them. Christ is not yet fully reigning on the earth. We don't have world peace. You know, you can look at the news. You wanna get depressed, look at the news, right? Like natural disasters, shootings, um, sexual abuse scandals, disasters of all sorts. All of those anxieties are proof of the not yet. But he did deliver peace. We can have personal peace that overcomes anxiety if we have Jesus. So number two, recognize our present reality. Recognize our present reality. At the end of college, 
I was panicking over what I was gonna do next. My anxiety said, you're not gonna get a job, and if you do get a job, you're gonna hate it. You know, I was nervous about all the changes coming my way. In fact, I was a mess, like big time. I didn't know what I was gonna do, and I liked the life I had for myself in college, didn't want to leave it. I felt alone and began dabbling in all sorts of stress relievers, all of them sinful, as you can imagine. And there was this immense pressure as a Bible school student to make sure that we had it all together. But it just, it wasn't true for me. And I felt overwhelmed. I felt that anxiety. That's when a friend texted me to see how things were going. And I don't remember if I used the word anxious or not, but he pointed me to Philippians 4, 4 through 7. So if you wanna follow along in your own copy of God's word, that's where we're gonna be. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul's words to the church in Philippi, to believers who are lacking joy and experiencing anxiety, those words hit home. Like 21-year-old Ian needed to hear that. And side note, students, this is why we want you to have friends who can point you to truth. Friends who can remind you of your present reality. You know, they do that versus offering you quaint memes, right? Or telling you terrible advice about how you can feel better. We want you to have friends who are chasing after Jesus with you. The peace that Jesus delivers is the best and greatest peace of all. We don't have to worry about sin. We don't have to worry about death. We don't have to worry about what, what, like where we're gonna spend eternity because we have that most important peace, which is peace with God. The peace that Jesus delivers is something Isaiah and his contemporaries could only dream of. That's part of what makes Advent so meaningful. It gives us permission to consider how our present reality is better because of Jesus. But if Christ is our savior, we can overcome peace, or we can overcome anxiety with peace, or can we? Do we actually recognize our own present reality? I think sometimes it's awkward for Christians to talk about it, it makes us feel uncomfortable. You know, maybe we've known Jesus for a long time, we might have even memorized Philippians 4, but we don't experience peace. Anxiety's running rampant. So Philippians 4 does two things for us. Number one, it tells us our present reality, and two, it's gonna give us direction. So I've got four R's for us this morning. Rejoice, remember, request, and receive. Check, the student pastor knows how to use alliteration. So the first R, I like that, applause, thank you. <laughs> the first R, rejoice. If you wanna follow along and fill in the blank, that's great. Recognizing our present reality looks like rejoicing. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Lack of joy increases anxiety. 
And this is what we mean by joy, not happiness, but like authentic biblical joy, right, that's regardless of our circumstances or emotions, but is dependent on God and who he is. But it's easy to rejoice when life is good, and it is a whole lot harder to rejoice when things aren't going so well. One of my sisters is one of the best examples I know of rejoicing in the midst of pain and overcoming anxiety with peace. My middle sister, Phoebe, and her husband, John, have a son named Joash. Now, our students are familiar with Joash. He is the best kid ever. Isn't he adorable? There is a clear family resemblance. That's good. (laughs) Then here's another picture. This is the family. And in this picture, you can see all three of them, Phoebe, John, and Joash. And this was the picture they used for their pregnancy announcement. And they're each holding up a sign. I want you to be able to actually zero in and see these signs, so we're gonna zoom in. The first sign is what Joash is holding, one miracle beside us. The miracle of their firstborn baby boy. Then the sign that Phoebe's holding, one miracle inside of me. The miracle of their new pregnancy, because they're so excited. Thought I would be good. Then, the sign that John is holding, four miracles above us. Representing the four miscarriages they've had over four years. I think I've probably um, wrestled, wrestled with God more over his goodness simply as being an observer to their suffering than anything else in my own life. But Phoebe has chosen to be completely open about her miscarriages. She's gonna laugh really hard when she sees this because I know she's gonna watch. <laughs> about her miscarriages, deciding to name each baby and blogging about their journey. So I wanted to read something that she wrote on her blog about their last miscarriage, baby Davian. Her words, when we found out we were pregnant, I was equal parts excited and nervous. Everything seemed to be going well, and at six weeks, we got to do the first ultrasound. The doctor couldn't see much, but just figured it might be a mistake on how far along we were. So she said, come back in two weeks. We nervously waited, but I could hear God speaking to my heart saying, Trust me, just trust me. And I would be overwhelmed with a peace that passes understanding. Two weeks later, we saw everything that would detail a healthy pregnancy except the baby. She tried to assure us it wasn't necessarily a bad thing, so we started another two-week wait, and once again, whenever I worried, God would speak to me. When the day came for our appointment, I was convinced everything would be perfect, but they couldn't find the baby. They said that we'd miscarried, where the baby died, but my body hadn't figured it out yet. They sent me to get blood tests, and I remember going to get them convinced the doctors were wrong. God had been telling me to trust him. There was no way that my baby was gone, but the baby was. To this day, I haven't had an answer from God as to why I was given such peace when everything was horribly wrong. It's been the most prominent time I've experienced peace. It was almost as if I couldn't worry, even if I wanted to. 
I may not have the answer as to why this baby died, but I do know that the peace I was given was a gift. My sister overcame a host of anxieties because of the Prince of Peace. And rejoicing in the Lord is a choice that depends on who he is, not on who we are or on what we're doing. And because my sister recognizes her present reality is Christ, she's able to overcome anxiety. So recognizing our present reality looks like rejoicing. Second R, remember. Recognizing our present reality looks like remembering. Philippians four, verse five. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. That's one of those phrases that at least for me, I kind of read and gloss over it as fluff. But gentleness here is not physical tenderness or softness, but it's a steady temperament, a seasoned attitude. Basically, it's the opposite of anxiety and overreaction. And that's attractive. Like people want that. Family members notice, friends see the difference, and coworkers benefit from it. Lest we think that our peace is just for us, remember, let it be evident to all. And as we make it evident, it will remind us that the Lord is near. It's not enough to just read and forget. Recognizing our present reality looks like remembering. So if you think you're alone or you feel like you're alone, you're not. Students especially, like remember his nearness. We sense the anxiety that you guys feel, the times when you feel alone, but it's not true. It is not true. When everyone disappoints you or you feel abandoned by friends and your family or by youth leaders and youth pastors, remember his proximity to you. Don't indulge in the lie that he is watching from a distance. As a single person, I can't help but notice maybe some of the unique anxieties that single people deal with. If you want a good recipe for anxiety, be single in America. <laughs> Regardless of whether we like being single or not, we need to recognize our present reality by remembering the Lord's nearness. We are not alone. I have anxiety over being single sometimes, and maybe I'm a little different from most, and some of you are like, yeah, understatement. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> But what I mean by that is, right now, I don't desire to be married anytime soon, but I still have anxiety, and it stems from anxiety over how people perceive me. Anxiety or fear that people would keep their distance from me because they think I can't relate to them. But then the Spirit reminds my soul that the Lord is near. I remember that the Spirit indwells me, so I face nothing in life alone, let alone the fact that I have incredible friends and family in community. You know, so recognizing our present reality looks like remembering. Third R, request. Recognizing our present reality looks like requesting. Verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in thanksgiving, by prayer and petition, submit your request to God. Thanksgiving was just two Thursdays ago, right? And we all practiced giving thanks, or at least we did on social media. But giving thanks, you know, that's that lifestyle. And if we practice it regularly, I think it'll cause anxiety to like pack up and move out. 
When our contentment is contingent on circumstances, anxiety wins. But when our contentment is contingent on God, peace wins. Philippians 4, 6, you know, it reminds me of 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. In order to overcome anxiety, we must request. Have you ever caught yourself telling someone about something you're concerned about before ever requesting anything of the Lord? Yeah, me too, guilty. Paul told the church in Philippi to request, to ask for things, to petition and to present. You wanna know something that God's not afraid of? Specific requests. Specific requests help overcome anxiety. I think praying this way forces us to figure out what exactly are we asking for. When we request specifically, anxiety diminishes because the mind cannot, the mind cannot at the same time be full of God and full of fear. Specific requests also lighten our load. Our anxiety feels threatening when it is ill-defined and vague, but if we can put it into words and phrases, we bring it down to size. That's why when we talk about our concerns with a trusted friend, we often feel better when we walk away even though they can't do anything to change it. I'm the same person I was when I sat down for coffee, but I gave it words and it was brought down to size. Now what I'm not saying is that your prayers are measured by the words you use or how it is packaged. But when I take the time to request specifically, it gives me perspective. You know, and isn't that the sign of genuine relationship anyways, that we would ask? On Monday, I received an email from a good college buddy. He grew up in Egypt. Then we overlapped together at college, um, at Moody in Chicago. After college, he moved to Ohio before realizing that no one wants to live in Ohio. So then he moved to the UAE. His family spread out across the world. His parents are actually regularly in danger. The guy's in full-time ministry, and he's only been in Dubai for four months. So if anybody has permission or a justified reason to be anxious, I would say it's him. But this is someone who really takes God at his word and recognizes his present reality. So this was his email to me and others on Monday. Could you add me to your daily prayer list for humility, physical and spiritual rest, and an uprooting of anxiety from my life? I need your help to overcome these things. I'm seeing that I have progressed little in these areas in the last few years and need the prayer of many to bring about breakthrough and change in my life. Like, wow, specific requests, remembering his present reality. I'm confident that he will overcome his anxiety with the peace of Jesus. And the final R, receive. Recognizing our present reality looks like receiving. Verse seven, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Not might guard our hearts and minds, but will. So as we rejoice, remember, and request, we receive peace. We overcome anxiety with the peace by recognizing our present reality, a reality that was brought to us 
by the baby Jesus, Emmanuel delivered our peace with God so that we might receive. Romans 5, 1 says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace through God with our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. When my sister wrote that she couldn't explain her peace, that's Philippians 4, 7, peace. If you've lost your job and don't know what's next, you can have peace. Or if your health is failing, you can have peace. If you're a parent whose kid is off the rails, you can have peace. And if you've lost a loved one and there's that pit of anxiety now that's come to rest in your stomach, then you too can have this peace. Now Oswald Chambers was a great teacher and evangelist. He wrote this little book that you might be familiar with and it's titled, my utmost for his highest. This is what he had to say about peace. Are you looking unto Jesus now in the immediate matter that is pressing and receiving from him peace? If so, he will be a gracious benediction of peace in and through you. But if you try to worry it out, you obliterate him and deserve all you get. We get disturbed because we have not been considering him. When one confers with Jesus Christ, the perplexity goes because he has no perplexity. And our only concern is to abide in him, lay it all out before him, and in the face of difficulty, bereavement, and sorrow, hear him say, let not your heart be troubled. Are you looking to Jesus now? Are you looking to Jesus now? Or are we content to live like in our misery and anxiety because we're too afraid to live any other way? The invitation to peace is too good to pass up. Overcoming anxiety with Jesus' peace is made possible by his first coming. And as we recognize our present reality by rejoicing, and remembering, and requesting, and receiving, we will be a different church. Like, we'll be a place so attractive that people will be banging down the doors to be a part of it. We'll be that place of peace, hope, joy, and love. You know, one of the themes of Christmas is proclamation. It's so clear when you listen to Christmas music, go, tell it on the mountains. Or hark the herald angels sing with lyrics that go, you know, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. People couldn't help but excitedly proclaim that the baby was finally here, the prince of peace. And over 2,000 years later, that's still what we do as his children when we fully embrace the awaited Messiah. You know, the good news of the gospel made possible by the baby Jesus, it'll begin inward, but it's gotta move outward and upward. That's why this isn't, you know, a self-help message or a therapeutic exercise. 
to overcome anxiety with the peace of Jesus will also mean that we are a people of peace that share the good news with others. So here's what we're gonna do all together. I'm gonna invite the worship team to start making their way up. And we're gonna experience those four R's together. We're gonna start by recognizing our present reality by requesting. The band is gonna be introducing a song called Exalted Overall. It's our song of response as we look to Jesus together. And as the team starts to sing, I'm gonna ask that you stay seated. So if you're regular here and you're always like, oh, I'm gonna stand up, don't stand up at the beginning of the song. <laughs> and you're gonna write down two things. The first that you're gonna write down is a specific anxiety. A specific anxiety, it can be anything. An area of life that makes you anxious. A specific scenario that's giving you anxiety. You're gonna write it down. And then step two, you're gonna write a specific request. This is a specific prayer to the Lord. We're gonna practice requesting from God specifically. So think, what do you want God to do with this? How do you want him to overcome your anxiety with his peace? Request it from him with specifics. You'll have the first two verses and courses of the song to write and to pray and to listen. And then when Hunter prompts you to stand during the bridge, that's when we're gonna recognize and embrace our presence and current reality with the other three R's, by rejoicing, by remembering, by receiving. We won't be able to help but rejoice in who the Lord is and remember his presence, right? And receive his peace. So to transition us into that, I'm gonna read a portion of Psalm 91. As you listen, shut your eyes and simply ask yourself, am I looking to Jesus now? I can't think of a better psalm to paint a picture of our present reality that was true for the psalmist, but is that much more true for us because of the peace that Jesus delivers. So ask yourself, am I looking to Jesus now? And pray this with me. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Heavenly Father, thank you for peace. Thank you that Jesus is our Prince of Peace. And thank you for the present reality in which we can live if we know you as Savior. Lord, as we take this time to respond to you in worship, I pray that you would bring to mind the spaces in our life that you want to invade. 
Lord, may we practice requesting specifically so that we might see your power displayed in new and awesome ways and that we would not miss out during this crazy busy season of Advent and that we would not miss out on the life that you call us to and that we would overcome anxiety with peace. In Jesus' name, amen.